You are listening to a podcast from Classic City Church. We're glad you've joined us. Our services are held at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 595 Prince Avenue in the Piedmont Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.classiccity.org. This is a sermon from Pastor Lee Mason. Thank you for having me. Man, I tell you what, I looked up and seen Gator Green come through the door. Rock Spring, Parish Street, Henderson Extension. Now, y'all doing some outreach over there. Them spots that I just called out, man, them some serious spots. And God is so blessed and um, pleased with the work that you guys are doing. I want to start off by saying that, you know, when I first started off into street ministry, because that's what it really is, outreach is street ministry. We do street ministry. And... Um, there was a lady who had been off, um, you know, in that area of ministry or in that field of ministry for several years by the name of Patricia Mann. And I was like a year and a half in, man, and I was like, God, I don't know if I can, you know, are, are you sure you're calling me to this and so on and so forth? And I began to just go to her and tell her to pray with me. She said, Jamie, you know what? If you ever want to see the hands feet in face of God, get around the less fortunate, get around the broken, the trotted, uh, the ones who've been trotted up on, the ones who have been neglected, so on and so forth, and you'll see the face of God. And just that one word of encouragement, man, it gave me a boost to where I'm still able to do the work that I do now and see the hands and feet in face of God in so, in so many uh, uh different aspects and what that comes from is you know with people like classic city that partners with us with people from soul which is stands uh which is the acronym of serving others unconditional love y'all supposed to been told me now jamie take that thing off man you, 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 am i enough feet away <laughs> So, but, uh, you know, who have, who have came and partnered with us um, also with so many other ministries and so many other uh, um, people from corporate sponsors, so on and so forth, because you can't do this work alone. So um, I like to say thank you, Don, for giving me that introduction, man. I haven't been clapped for that ever in life. How y'all clap for me, man? I'm like, man. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for welcoming me. Uh, so... Don have told you a little bit about me, but you know, um, it didn't all start off uh, from that aspect of me being in ministry. It didn't all start off with me uh, um, being called into ministry. You know, someone asked Billy Graham, I think, back in the days, uh, and it was a president. I forget which one, or they asked him about a president, and they said, now, yeah, you know, and we got presidents, this and that, that but what's the most, uh, uh, what, what's the most highest office that you think that you could, a man can hold or a woman can hold in this world, not in America, not in just other parts. And he said, man, a preacher, a minister, nothing has more higher office than that. And I think we need to pray that God during this time and during this time of climate, uh, the climate that we're in, that God continues to put people or someday put someone in that position who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who hears from the throne of God and who has a heart for all people. You know, um, now this ain't a plug for nobody to go vote, vote how you want to vote, you know, whatever else, so on and so forth. This, I'm not telling you go vote for this candidate or that candidate. I know that right now some people are saying, okay, well, man, uh, what's going to happen? Being in the uproar, whoever wins, God is still God, amen? 
Whoever wins, the world isn't over till he pulls the plug. And we get so caught up in different things and caught up into, you know, what's going on. But what if I told you, man, my life looked like a pandemic <laughs> before the pandemic. When you're from out of the hood, man, and you, you know, you see people get killed in your own household back to back to back to back. And you'll kind of see that in my message. This ain't just started some just far as being an uproar. You go into some of the third world countries, you know, all they have is God. You know, they have to pray for everything. It's been a pandemic. So I want to encourage you guys today uh, who are uh, um, sitting out here in the audience and also those that are online who are joining us from different aspects of the world or from wherever you're located at, that the message that I have today tying into what um, Pastor Lee uh, had been talking about with the reconciliation piece of, you know, um, um, I think it was like a three or four week message my message ties into it for us being reconciled with all people unto God. It's a testimony, actually. That's what it is. And the good news is what God tells us to go preach unto the, unto the most other parts of the world once you have became uh, or engrafted into being in the citizenship of the kingdom of God. That's your first command. To go out and preach the good news. What is the good news? That God is the same today as he was yesterday and forevermore. I don't care if it's a pandemic, a hurricane, a tsunami, whatever it may be. God is still the same. It's the word of God that changes people. That's what changed me. So as we go off into my testimony and as we begin to have some conversation about this, uh, um, um, uh, to some people that may be, it may be mysterious whether you're saved or unsaved, you know, but just consider, just consider and take my life and the things that I've been through and consider, man, is there a God? And what my hopes are by the time this message is over by me sharing my testimony with you and just what my life looked like before I have an encounter, uh, had an encounter with a man by the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe you may just maybe you may believe that man it gotta be a Lord and Savior. It has to be a God, it has to be a Holy Spirit. And that's the benefits that we get as Christians. We don't just get one. We get them all. If you receive them all, if you if if you allow God to work through uh, uh work through you with the Holy Spirit, um, which convicts, which uh exhorts, which builds up, which uh arrests at time, or what avails. So um, I'm originally from Athens from a housing authority project called Paul, though. They've been renovated. It's on Hawthorne. Uh, if you're coming off Broad Street across from Mount Pleasant Church, and the new name of them is called Brookside, right? Um, it was Jack R. Wells one time before that. I'm uh, happily married to my wife. Uh, got off work this morning, or she would be here. She works at Piedmont. Her name is Terry Scott. I have a daughter, and I have four grandchildren, which the oldest stand with us now. Uh, and it's a teenager, so give me an extra amount of prayer, not just for this service, because my whole world been shook up, you know, and that's how God do it, right? He brings you out of the comfort zone, man, and she just dyed her hair redder than that little girl that's on the Wendy's commercial or on the Wendy's sign, and I'm like, hold on, man. I come home from work, and my wife said, yeah, I, I said, what in the world? I said, I know that's some spray, right? And I'm like, Terry. And she said, well, Jamie, she's a teenager. I said, man, man, come on, come on, come on. And I'm serious. Her hair is redder than the little girl Wendy on that sign. And she black. 
So, 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 um, I've been married for about 13 years and, um, well, 12 years going on 13 and it has been a blessing, um, to have, um, the Lord to give me someone to walk out life and also to walk out minute, walk out ministry with. I'm going to talk to you guys in three different parts of a timeline of my life, which is from the age of five to 10 and a half. And then I'll go from, uh, 10 and a half to 18 and from 18 to 35. I've already told you where, where I was from and uh, where it was located at. In these projects, I witnessed my uncle get murdered at a very early age. I was around five at the time and my aunt was murdered over there as well. I was introduced to drugs and alcohol at an early age. To my best remembrance, I was around six years old when I first got introduced to that to that lifestyle you know some people go into the streets some people are thrown into the streets and what i mean by that you don't have an option it's just you know you don't get to choose whether you're white or black you don't get to choose whether you're rich or poor you don't get to choose when you are introduced to some types of things because if it's around you if it's surrounded with you and if the gospel isn't that's just the way it goes that's why god tells us to train up a child in the way that they should go that they may never depart from it you know even though if they seem to go astray hopefully we've done our job as parents to pour the word of god into their heart to some type at some day that they'll get that prodigal son experience. Amen. My uncle had a bootlegger house over there. And if I danced real good, if I bust a move like James Brown, I get a big old swallow bill. Now I'm not glorifying in that. You may say, well, hold on preacher. What kind of preacher this is? What up? I'm from the hood now. But God, uh, I had an encounter with a guy by the name of a man named Jesus Christ. And he brought me out of that and gave me uh, to begin to start acting a little bit of good. Now, there's only one that's good. There's one, only one that's perfect. But in him and through him, we can emulate that out, right? So my uncle, who had this bootlegger house, in case you don't know what that is, with some of y'all out there in the audience, it was a illegal liquor store in the hood, right? You know, um, and they still have these today. They still had them today, and it just kind of slowed down on when they began to uh, legalize alcohol on Sundays. But when people can't go to the liquor store on Sundays, man, they go to the bootlegger house. When the liquor store closed, they go to the bootlegger house, get them something to drink, get them some other things, so on and so forth. So my uncle had one of those, and he had a booming one. People come from all around. His name was Hawk, right? And uh, that's... I, that's when I got introduced to alcohol. I got introduced to marijuana uh, shortly after that. And, um, you know, I thought it was all fun and games at the beginning. I remember my very first time uh, going to shoplift. Now, I was used as an escape goat or a guinea pig at once upon a time. My older cousin them uh, would take me. Uh, it started off with them taking me from out of Paldo. We'd walk up the Black Road, and, and uh, it was a store called Handy Andy's up there on the corner of Oglethorpe and Hawthorne now, where the CVS is. That used to be a store called Handy Andy's. Andy. Starving Marvin's across the street. And whatever else. But they would tell me, okay, Jamie, look, do you want some bubble gum? Do you want, do you want some candy or whatever? And I say, yeah. He said, okay, well, when we go in the store, such and such is going to be up here distracting somebody else, and we're going to give you some candy. Just play like your stomach hurting, and I'm going to take you in the bathroom. And they'll load me down with cases of candy. And when they load me down with these cases of candy, you know, 
All I would say, man, show me the bubble gum when we get up out of here. That's all I want to know. They'll take me into the restroom. They'll, un they'll uh, slide a window open, throw merchandise out the window. Somebody be on the outside to catch the merchandise. And um, we would repeat that over time. So me and my brother, the first time I could ever remember breaking the law, not really realizing I'm breaking the law, but was stealing, me and my brother would walk from, uh, he's four years older than me, we would walk to uh, up down Alps Road. They had a Winn-Dixie over there then, across from Kroger, and then they had it over there by Kroger at once upon a time in that shopping center. And uh, he went into the store, and because of the way that we was introduced to um, breaking the law or whatever else, it was through, it wasn't like they'll put a candy bar here and a candy bar here. No, they putting the whole case on you. They putting a whole case of uh, Kit Kats in, in, your, in your shirt and in your back and all around you. So my brother went in, he was getting cases of this and that, and he, and he told me, he said, uh, how do I look? Am I straight? What he pretty much is saying, is anything budging out or whatever? And I said, nah, I said, yeah, you okay? And I had some, and I spent around, and he said, hold on, hold on, and he fixed me up, and we walked out the store. Right after that, um, you know, uh, I remember standing those projects, and there used to be some jump boots, some army-like boots. And I'd be asking my mom, Who's a, what are these? What are, where, where do these come from? She said, boy, stop asking me all those questions. Don't keep asking me all those questions or whatever else. But they was my father's boot who got incarcerated when I was six months of age. And um, he ended up doing 41 years straight. Uh, what I mean by straight, never got out uh, in prison and he um, uh, left when I was six months of age. And she finally told me who boots they were. She finally showed me a little mug shot picture that was a black and white picture that was really small and tiny. And uh, it had his picture on it. And that's all I knew of a father at the time. You know, Psalms 68 and verse 5 says that God, is a father to the fatherless. I'm talking about the good news today. I'm talking about the gospel of the living Lord and Savior of Jesus Christ from Nazareth. I'm talking about the gospel that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob talked about. I'm talking about the gospel that when the woman that had the issue of blood came and touched Jesus, him, she was made whole. I'm talking about the good news. See, that don't change, ladies and gentlemen, for those that are sitting in the room and for those that are online, that just because a pandemic has hit. Oh, man, when the plague hit, do you think a pandemic looked like that? <laughs> Nothing is new up under the sun. The word of God is still the same. It still comes to uh, save and seek those which are lost. The word of God has no separation. There's no place that you can go. And Jesus met me in prison. We'll get to that a little bit later in the message. But I'm here to tell you about the good news. Can I tell you a little bit about that? Can I speak a little bit about the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's different than any other doctrine that you can try to learn from. I've studied with the uh, uh, Nuwabians. 
Well, you say, well, who are those? They was teaching Egyptian Christianity at one time. I was locked up and I'm looking for the truth. It was Malachi Z. York doing some stuff in his own town. I've sparred with the Jehovah Witness. I've sat down and read the surahs and the ayats with the Muslims and made voodoo and all that other stuff. It ain't about nothing. Oh, well, I'm a Christian. If you have a problem with that, take it up with my Lord and Savior. There's only one thing that truly set me free, and it was the good news. This good news that I want to tell you about. Some of it is head knowledge. Now, you can talk about all the different galaxies and all that other stuff, but only the gospel of Jesus Christ penetrates the heart. And if you ain't changing this, you ain't changing nothing, my friends. And you can't change it on your own. Only he can. My mom had met a uh, guy who became my stepdad at a place um, called the Navy Base, which was over there where the UGA just um, bought their, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> building at. Um, and I think they're doing some, I don't know if it's medical work they're doing over there, whatever else, but she met a guy who had, got, who had got stationed here for a short period of time at the Navy Base. And um, next thing I know, they went to Japan. And he took, he, went, he took my mom with him to Japan. And she, was, she had a guy who was an African at the time. She went to Africa. Mom, she still thinks she's a, uh, a diva. And boy, you better not tell her she ain't 16 at 73. I love her to death, though. <laughs> so, but she was, she, she was a very attractive woman coming up. And she uh, uh, knew how to take care of herself and take care of kids or whatever else, but she stayed gone a lot of my grandma filled in the, in the space over that. So one day, um, I'm coming from outside playing, and we got some suitcases in the living room, and my grandma said, okay, all right, y'all going to Japan in the morning. I said, Japan? Now, I'm in the hood at the time. I'm in the projects, housing authority projects. I haven't, they haven't taught Japan in school yet. They hadn't taught different countries in school yet. So when she said Japan, I was like, man, I wonder what she going to cook. She going to put something in the pan? What? She was like, no, boy, you're flying across seas. I said, flying across seas? You're getting on an airplane. I'm like, okay, cool. And the guy who took me to, uh, to the airport was my uncle uh, who had the bootlegger house, who had a big Cadillac. That was a big thing back in the day. Hope. Uh, um, I pointed at Gator because Gator know him. Uh, so anyway, um, he, had a big, he had a big bootlegger house. So we ended up going to Japan. We stayed on base. We went to Yokohama, Japan, flew into Tokyo. We, we, we stayed on base in Yokohama in a, uh, um, on base in a place called Nagishi Heights. And uh, I'm eight and a half at the time, about eight man. And it was a culture shock. You talking about a culture shock. I'm speaking slang. I'm from out the hood. The, the uh, Asian people speaking yang, man. I'm looking at them like this. They looking at me like that. They ain't, it's in the 70s now. You ain't, it, it wasn't but me and one more of the black family on the compound. But I'm glad I had that experience to where I'm at today. I didn't know anything about no racism. It wasn't taught to me, but God put me in a place that where I was crossing over, not just uh, uh, out of uh, a culture or, uh, or racial boundaries, boundaries that's in the United States, but being exposed to even seeing some other people on the other side of the world. And that has helped me and blessed me into ministry till this day. See, uh, people aren't born racist. 
Uh, you can kick it all how you want to. No, children don't know that. We're product uh, of what we of, we, of what we see. Now, you probably can go into that later on or whatever else. Now, this ain't that type message. I'm just telling you my testimony. So now have the Holy Spirit convict you. That's on him. You take it up with God. So, 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 um, we stayed over there for about two and a half years. I had a, uh, I, I, my first best friend outside of culture of, of, of my race or whatever else was by the name of Gregory. And he had a brother, older brother by the name of Michael. And, you know, I thought we was wild a little bit, me and my brother, man, when we was, you know, going to the stores and doing a whole lot of other things and being exposed to this. But, boy, when I bumped up in the grave, them, they sure enough was wild. They, we, they had, a, they had a, a graveyard that was like the edge, the back edge of, of base that was for uh, the Japanese or whatever else. And in that graveyard, when you go into that, it looked like a shrine or something, man. It may stand a little higher than this. They would have pictures up on the shrine. They had speakers that they're playing through the graveyard. They'll put food out. They'll burn incense. And they put yen on the graves. And uh, we were going in there. They, they want to play uh, hide and seek in the grave. Now, black folks ain't doing all that now. I'm just let you know. I'm like, hold on, Greg. Time out, buddy. <laughs> hold up, man. We're going to play well. And uh, we would run around the graveyard or whatever else at some point. And every now and then, Greg, them would get some yen off the grave. And boy, uh, you know, we were just kids at the time. And you may say, well, that's a horrible thing or whatever else. And then I think I got some. So I, I prayed and repented about that. But Greg then was off the chain, boy. I thought I was a little bit of wild. Um, so, um, but I still thank God for the experience of having outside of culture. From the age of 10 and a half to 18, when um, we moved to Willingboro, New Jersey. And when we moved to Willingboro, New Jersey, we um, stayed... In a house, we stayed in the house. Was my f we stayed in the house, was renting the house or what avails. Um, I guess the benefits that my stepfather was getting at the time. And uh, shortly after that, shortly after that, my my parents divorced. My mom divorced my stepfather, and we came back to Athens momentarily. Then migrated to Atlanta. That's where I got incarcerated for the first time at the age of 14 for burglarizing my school, looking for the candy money, coming, uh, but coming up short with that. And we ended up getting some rotary phones. For, you got, for, you, uh, for the college students that's in the room or whatever else, y'all might don't remember that. They the kind you got to turn. You t Man, and I'm talking about if the number way up here, you got to turn it all the way back around. And then you got to wait till it roll it back around. One. <laughs> you know, so, but we had some rotary phones, and when we came out of the, came out of the school, when we came out of the school, the cops was waiting right there on us. I was 14, and they gave me probation. At the age of 15, um, at the age of 15, I had a stolen car charge. They called them hot boxes in the streets at the time, and the reason why they was hot boxes, it was a hot car, and they just put box on there, but they called the cars hot boxes, and we was in a high-speed chase, end up wrecking, the guy who was driving at the time uh, end up getting knocked out, and uh, um, uh, we end up getting caught. I did 30 days in jail, and around that same time, uh, I had gotten my first pistol, I think, 
Uh, I made a trade with a guy who went to a disciplinary school with, that I went to. I was uh, diagnosed at the time. You know, people will just throw a name on some stuff when they don't understand it. They'll just throw a name on it. So they, uh, uh, well, and then it may have fit me, to tell you the truth. It was for uh, um, behavioral disorder for an adolescent behavioral disorder. So I went to this uh, street academy, and uh, I traded a guy. It was either a car or a hot car or uh, some drugs and some alcohol for the pistol. That was my first pistol. As I, as I began to experiment and go deeper in the streets with cocaine uh, um, and fall deeper into sin, when I hit the age of 17 years old, I was faced with two charges. I was faced with, in a jury trial, two life sentences. And the charges were for, were for uh, murder and armed robbery. I thank God for the justice system at the time, and they found me not guilty, so on and so forth. But at this time, I had, at this time, I had been locked up for several uh, um, offenses. And as time went on, I got locked up for several more. I made a vow to God that, you know, I changed my life after this one uh, little short guy was coming down the catwalk one day. We was back in the back of, in the, back of the dormitory. Um, playing some spades uh, on my bed and this guy was coming down the walkway and when he came down the walkway he had some had some Bible tracks and the Bible tracks were just simply you know heaven is real hell is hot these were the old you know this and this was this was back in the days and man you know these were the old saints them old saints ain't play <laughs> ladies and gentlemen boy they preach heaven is real hell is hot which one you want <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> It wasn't a whole bunch of gospel of uh, 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 mercy, let me say, when they preached. But I guess in that season, that's just how God had it set up. I um, remember calling home from out of a jail cell, out of the uh, holding cell. And when my mom picked up the phone, you know, she got the collect call from the, you, you have a collect call coming from the county jail. And she said, all right, okay. You back out there, I see. And I said, um, yes, ma'am. And didn't know how to talk to her, didn't know what to say or whatever. She said, well, what they got you for? And I told her, and she said, what? She said, okay, let me tell you something. I ain't got no money, so I, I, I can't get no lawyer. I don't have any money to get a lawyer uh, for you, Jamie. The best thing I can tell you, you better pray. Now, I haven't been taking the church. I haven't heard the gospel of, I hadn't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hadn't heard the good news. I had never been to church but two times, and that was to, well, three, three at that time. That was to three of my family members, one of them that I seen get murdered at the age of uh, five, um, my uncle by his wife, and my auntie who lost her life in those same projects, and my cousin Boo-Boo who lost his uh, life down at T-shirt, Boo-Boo Elkles. Well, Jerry, because everybody call him boo-boo. And those are the only times I went to church. And she's telling me to pray, pray, pray. What is that? Who is what you're talking about? You know, I kind of heard of a God. I've heard of, uh, of, of Jesus. But just by hearing, you know, the word in the book of James, it tells us clearly that even the demons believe that ain't good enough. 
Oh, I believe in God. Well, look what James said, what the book of James said about it. And I didn't really understand that there, but I don't, I don't know who that's meant for in the room today. But just because we believe, that doesn't get us all the way in the kingdom of God. It's a work. Those who work out their salvation. You know, Holy Spirit comes in, then, then we have a commission, we have an assignment, we have a purpose. We're supposed to go and preach this good news that I'm telling y'all about today, about Jesus Christ saves. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. So, 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 um, I was, I was told that by my mom and didn't know where to start. As I told you, uh, one day an elderly guy came down the catwalk, uh, which was the hallway, passing out those Bible tracts and ministered salvation to me by introducing me uh, to this guy by the name of Jesus Christ from Nazareth. So he, I, I leave from the spade game. I go up there to see what he want. I thought I was just going to grab a Bible track or whatever else or see what he had and run back to my, run back to my bunk. And when I grabbed it and get ready, got ready to turn around, there was a white guy standing about, I think he was taller than Steve Everett even at that height. Hold your hand up, Steve. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> That's my brother over there. So uh, <laughs> I had to slide one in on him. That's my brother there. You'll hear more about him in this message as we go on, how God has used him to uh, pour into my life. But when I went to get the track and turn, turn away, the guy began to say, hey, hey, excuse me, young man. Are you saved? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I said, no, sir. And it was just, it came out so beautifully. You know, people would use any kind of excuse. And what I began to um, tell him is, that, no, sir. Once I, uh, when I give my life to Christ, I want to be 100% right. I want to be in a place, I don't want to play with God because, see, you know, I, I want to be real with this thing. And I was convicted with that, and I thought that that was just something, the right thing to do or whatever else. But how, uh, can I tell you that when you came and whoever came will never be 100% right before you come to the Lord Jesus Christ? There's only one perfect, there's only one that's truly good, and that is Jesus Christ. But in him and through him, he can do a work through us that we can live a life of perfection by putting him first. So that he looked at me and he smiled. He had a big old smile, man. I'm talking about, I think his smile was bigger than he was. The countenance of the Holy Spirit was all up on him. He had one of those Ronald McDonald smiles. <laughs> and I was like, uh, can I go? I'm looking at him like, can I, can I leave now? Holy Spirit had already just about convicted me. He said, well, let me ask you one more question, uh, young man, before you walk off. Where do you sleep at in this dormitory? I said, I sleep back there, sir, in that corner back there. You see where those guys sitting on the bed or whatever else? He said, yeah. I'm like, can I go while we through? He said, last question, last question. If you laid down tonight, young man, and the Lord Jesus Christ came, where do you think he'll be, he would take you? Where do you think that you will go? What would life look like for you after death? And I could not answer that question. Now, I hadn't been in church. I hadn't heard the good news, the gospel, or whatever else, but God makes some things evident. And I paused for about two minutes. It's like everything stopped, like God actually hit pause during this moment of time, 
And he said, well, let me help you, young man. And he's the old saints. <laughs> they ain't play. If you have your life right with Christ, then you'll go on and be with the Father in eternity. And if you don't, you'll be, you'll be condemned to hell and damnation for eternity. And he stopped and smiled again. I was like, <laughs> I throwed my arms out the bars. And he led me in the prayer of salvation. You know, and as I look back on my life, as I look at different things that are put in place, as I look at some of the stuff that people call systemic racism and systemic systems and other types of things, those things may be in place or whatever else. But when I tell you about my life, who God used from a guy from out of the hood, and you hear how many times I end up getting incarcerated, whatever else, God always kind of put somebody that didn't look like me into my life. And God will put some people that don't look like you in your life. Will you receive him as Brother Lee talked about a couple weeks ago, like the good Samaritan? See, he, you, you know, he don't have to be beat up, robbed or whatever else. The thing that I love about that message about the good Samaritan, even though he went over there and tended to the man after the priest left him, after the passed by him, as the Levite passed by him, and, and one or two more in Scripture, but he stopped he got his hands dirty. He poured oil on him. He banished his wounds. And then he made it personally and walked beside him and took him to this place called an inn. And then after he did that, he said, okay, look, if he's running tab up any higher than that, let me know. Because the next time when I come through here, I think he could say, I'm paraphrasing, I'll take care of it. Just let me know that this man was doing street ministry. This man was doing missionary work because this is a road that he travels and, he, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the innkeeper knew him personally and his face card was good. So I think that this guy brought people there all the time and the innkeeper knew that he'll be back or he didn't say, hold on, man, who this is you bringing in here? He understood that the good Samaritan had a heart and was being the feet and hands of Jesus Christ, which we should all be like, I don't care what your political status or platform is you stand on. Uh-oh. <laughs> Holy Spirit knows just how to set the atmosphere up for us, don't he? The first thing we need to filter all things through, and I'm so thankful for uh, uh, um, uh, hearing this, and it dropped in my spirit, is through the filter of God. Everything else should fall after that. What are we doing if you're a Christian? Whatever we're doing, if you're a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, it shouldn't be from a Republican platform or a Democratic platform or where is the world going to be at in ten, the nine, nine to ten more days after this person get picked or after that person get picked. So when you, people ask Jamie or wonder about Jamie, well, what is your political stance, Jamie? How do you stand with a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ first? But no, I'm not asking you that question, Jamie. Where do you fall at uh, on your political platform or stance? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And then if a person has, see, that's wisdom. For me, anyway. <laughs> if a person have a problem with that, then you need to take it up with, guess who? My Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or my daddy. And the word tells us, first seek you the, first, first, first seek you the kingdom of God. 
Give unto Caesar what Caesar's, but give unto God unto what's God. Which one do you think is the most important when it's time to give? I wonder if Jesus asked us that question. He always spoke in parables. How would we face that? How would we answer that? Whether you give me a treasure, times a talent. And all of it is good. We have a great system. I love America. I'm from the United States. I'm a proud American. I love this country. Land of opportunity. For those that want it. Now, some people don't want opportunity. <laughs> Jamie want it. I believe in working hard. I believe in getting up early, working hard, striking gold. And I'm in a country that we can do that with. But if you put Jesus Christ in the mix of it, man, <laughs> whew, good God Almighty. Let me finish my testimony. I ain't got too much more time, y'all. I don't have too much more time. I didn't got excited. I didn't got excited. When it comes about this good news, this good news that saved me. You talking about gangster? And it tears me up in this inside at, at, at times or points, of, uh, at times of my life or whatever else. And I don't need this to get approval from nobody that's in the streets or somebody just to say, hey man, or whatever else. I was gangster. I humbly say that not to glorify that, but to glorify what the good news done in my life. Oh, I would have kept that the dope boys, you know, in the hood, they call them gorillas, silverback gorillas, them real big cats. They ain't want to see me coming. Close shop. They close shop. What I mean by shop are uh, the dope trap. <laughs> but when I bumped up into a man by the name of Jesus Christ from Nazareth who did a work in my heart first, that's why I can sit down with people from other nationalities. I can sit down with people from, uh, uh, who don't look like me because I don't see them the way that the Lord intends me to see them. I pray, God, show me through your eyes, through your lenses. Do I get frustrated at times about other stuff? Yes, I do. Am I perfect? No, I'm not. Do I know a perfect God? Yes, I do. In Luke chapter 4 and 18, it says that Jesus says he has been anointed, anointed to preach the gospel, the good news, to the poor and to preach deliverance to the captives. That was most definitely me, ladies and gentlemen. From the age of 18 and 35, well, I was 18 when the Lord set me free from those offenses uh, through the through the judicial system, and I'm so thankful that uh, um, it wasn't rigged for me or what else. The Lord set me free, but I didn't find a local church nor keep my promises or vows that I gave to God. You know, when God, before he set me free, I'm praying and I'm fasting and all these old different things after I hadn't got saved. You know, the Holy Spirit did a work in me, met me behind bars. There's no separation of those that are in Christ Jesus, nor height, nor depth. It don't matter if you're from out of the hood, if you're in jail, if you're over in a third world country. The gospel, the power of Jesus Christ is still as effective if you're open to it. That's the good news. That's the good news. 
I didn't find a local church nor keep my promises or vows and, and diverted back to my old ways. This caused me to be in and out of jails, facilities, and prisons with 54 arrests, four times in level five prisons. Now, in case you don't know what level five prisons is, it's going down. Ain't nothing but some life sentences in there. Them guys raping, stealing, killing, and everything. Locked up 54 times in level four prisons after he released me from being up under two life sentences. Can I tell you a little bit about the good news? <laughs> Can I tell you about the gospel and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ? During my, time of, during my time of being in darkness, I remember fighting deputies, catching a simple battery charges, and aggravated assault charges at the Clark County Jail. I even set the jail on fire once, which was in the 90s, um, and it caused me to be shackled to a bunk and a toilet. I don't have enough time to tell you about that, but shackled. You can't, only, I could only go from here to here. The bunk, it ain't no big room eight by eight now. Let's say about eight by eight. From the bunk to the toilet. Shockled, couldn't do anything. I even had, now before that, I was put into a, 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 a cell that was called H5. Shortly, after, shortly afterwards is when I first met this guy by the, uh, who was a deputy at the time by the name of Ira Edwards, and then who is, uh, but who is now the sheriff of Clark County who had a 20-year run, and I think that he's going off, and, and I know that he's going off into another profession. Also, and also he, was, he was also a mentor and, a close, and, and still is a close friend of mine's now. He preached the gospel, the good news, to me again. I will never forget when I was in this cell called H5, it didn't have a, it, did, it, it was a grate in the floor, right? It was a grate in the floor about this, about this big. It, it was in the floor. Not no in the floor. So you couldn't sit on no toilet. You couldn't flush it on the outside. You couldn't, you couldn't, you didn't have a sink. You didn't have a bunk. All you had was a, a vent up there that blew really, really cold out. I was in there butt naked, shocked to that as well. Me and a guy by the name of Charles Hardy for days and time. So when we talk about systemic or when people talk about systemic racism or unfairness or whatever, if it's anybody that can honk the horn or wave the flag, I could do that. Was, did, did I get some things in my heart at the time, man, after being locked back up that wasn't pleasing to the Father? Did I feel a certain type of way about certain situation or certain, uh, 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 a certain race because of decisions that I made that, you know, um, was my fault? Yes, I did. How did I get set free from that? How did I begin to come through that? How did I get into a position to stand before you today as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and talk this message? It's because I, let, I bumped up into a man by the name of Jesus who did a heart situation on me. I remember I'd be looking through the flap uh, midday uh, through that door so on and so forth and begging to get out trying to get out and Ira Edwards would bring me out and I'm, I'll be wrapping it on up he brought me out one day and he had some 
he had some books sitting on his classification. He was a classification officer then, the lower the, the lowest on the totem pole. And uh, he had some books sitting on his desk, and it was a big, thick book. And I, you know, and I said, man, he let me up out of here. All I want to try to get me something to eat and take back in the cell. I'm buying time. I'm trying to talk about anything. Hey, man, what that book is? When he tried to send me back, he, he's all, oh, Jamie Scott, you don't want to know what that book is. And I asked him again, and he told me the same thing. And then I asked him again. He said, well, this is a concordance. What this does is cross-referencing scriptures, uh, you know, in the Bible or whatever else. And he began to pray with me. And I rededicated my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. God always has a plan if we allow him to lead. When I was incarcerated for my last time in 2005, I rededicated my life again to Christ, and the rest is history. I love how in Ezekiel 11:19 God says he will give us an undivided heart with a new spirit and a change of hearts from a stone of flesh. Now, some of the people who helped me in are, are some good old boys. Where I'm at in my season of life now, right, from 2005 now. It, you know, some people may say, man, them some good old boys. They drive 1500s, they farmers, they uh, love guns, they love grub, and they love hunting. And they're sitting in the audience now who have mentored me and who still mentor me and pour into me and pray for me Outside of, what, outside of what I look like. See, that's the beauty of the good news of Jesus Christ. God will send people into your life if you're not so uh, um, caught up in the carnal and allow the Holy Spirit to do things in, into you that will bless you exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think of. God can put people in your life that just may not look like you. Did you know that? And those same people will be the people who God has your blessing tied to. Oh, man, I wish I can go on and on and on and on and tell y'all about this good news, this gospel. The greatest man who ever walked earth. <laughs> yeah, you can't put the president beside him. Not, not whether he's black, white, Asian, or whatever else. No one compares to him. He should be your master ruler that you measure everything by, your life, your job, your children, whatever it is. Jesus should be the ruler that you measure yourself by, not man. No, not man, not man, not man. So in closing, in closing, I want to, uh, if I can, I want to leave you guys with a couple of things. <clears throat> Today, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm a person in long-term recovery who has worked with DBHDD. You know, they do all kind of acronyms when you get around the state and when you get around federal stuff. That stands for Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities, who um, I had the opportunity of being one of the co-founders of a uh, of, of a RCO, which is a recovery community organization called People Living in Recovery. We, um, I was the guy who they said, okay, you, well, they said, well, 
put your signature right here. And, uh, we got a grant for about 400 and some thousand, almost 500,000. It's still going today. They've connected with Advantage Behavioral Health System up on North Avenue uh, for people who are struggling with substance use disorders, who are struggling with uh, mental health challenges. I've done some work with GCSA, which is the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse, to become a, a certified addiction recovery empowerment specialist. Now, look, I, I'm not... I started off telling you that, you know, I'm just a lead servant of the sparrow's nest. I'm just a servant of whatever else. These are some things that just came along the side of the way, and I don't even put them on my car. But I'm just letting you kind of see some work that I've done in the community on a state level, on a federal level, so on and so forth. I teach a curriculum now at the county jail uh, called self-control. And uh, they pay me as a Pay, they, I'm, I'm, I'm going in as a paid facilitator at the county jail, the same jail that I told you I caught on fire, you know that one, that they put me in the shackles, the same jail that I caught a simple battery in, the same jail that I caught an aggravated assault charge in. When I received the gospel of Jesus Christ into my life, when I received the gospel of Jesus Christ into my heart, now they pay me to go back up. And only God can do that after 54 arrests, after four times being in prison. Anything they need to be trying to, uh, uh, if, if, if it was the world, they'll be locking me up. But God, God kicked the doors in on it and said, man, go set somebody else free the same way I've set you free. Amen. So, um, yeah, I, now... My life, I've laid it down at the sparrow's nest, and what that consists of is just, you know, reaching out to the less fortunate, those who and those who struggle up under the poverty level. Uh, we have people that are coming in all the time. Athens is a transient city, and, um, you know, uh, it's just what I've been called to. I'm thankful. I'm honored to be um, in this position to do outreach ministry in our city and uh, the last uh, the last thing I want to leave you guys with is in Revelation chapter 12 uh, verse 11 and it says they overcame him talking about Satan talking about the serpent by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony see I can tell you what I've been through and I can, if, if they call me to the White House if they call me over here see I'm freed from people I can glorify Jesus and tell you about the power of the gospel of the good news because every time I do it, can I let you in on a little secret? God blesses my socks off when I glorify him. And I talk about, I pull out, I'm one of them preachers, I pull out all the dirty laundry, the washing machine, the dryer, and everything else, and throw it on in the, middle of the, in the middle of a service like I just did then, and then point to the Lord Jesus Christ and give him glory. That's the good news. Oh, man, has he blessed me when, I do, when I've done that. Try that. Try that. <laughs> I don't care if it's with an accountability partner or the next time you speak or whatever, because all of us got a testimony in some type, shape, fashion, or form. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity of being called to this ministry that does so much amazing work. I thank you for the leadership of Lee and Lisa Mason. And now their son is being raised up, Daniel, uh, and his wife. I pray, oh Lord God, that you continue to bless this ministry, bless the ones who come in. Let your Holy Spirit continue to be the senior pastor of this church. Bless the, bless the um, um, worship leaders. Bless those who are doing work behind the scenes. Bless everything that they put their hands to. And when it's all said and done, Jesus, let us always talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast from Classic City Church. We hope that together we can honor the greatness of Jesus by growing spiritually, living authentically, and participating in his purposes. For more information or more sermons from Classic City Church, please visit www.classiccity.org.